This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. This morning, I'm going to show you a part of a story that we began three weeks, two weeks ago, and we looked at the prodigal son. This morning, I'm going to take a different avenue, and I want to look at the prodigal's father. The book of Luke, chapter number 15, in verse number 20. The Bible says in Luke 15, in verse number 20, I'll slow down so you can get your fingers turned to the right place. Nothing worse than a preacher that tells you where to go and then don't let you get there. There we go. Luke chapter number 15 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And he arose and came to his father, and when he was a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his finger, on his hand and shoes on his feet. Now I want you to notice a couple of things about that stuff that the father put on him. He put a robe around him. That would have covered all the dirt. That's a picture of what Jesus' righteousness does. He would have put a ring, a ring, but the Bible doesn't say he put it on his finger. The Bible says he put a ring on his what? That must have been a honking big ring. You see, that ring was a picture of authority. Whenever they would seal an envelope, they would seal it with a ring. And when that boy would have sealed it with just a little signet on his pinky finger, people would have said, man, what a son. But whenever he took his entire fist and dipped it down in that wax and he had a, had a ring on that covered all four of his fingers, somebody would have said, man, somebody has put a lot of authority back up under that boy. You and I as the people of God do not understand the authority that we have over principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Jesus told his disciples, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You say, what does that mean? Well, I can't fully explain that to you, but here's what I can tell you. We ain't operating in it. Because the church is operating like a bunch of whipped dogs that have just got into daddy's cookie jar. That ain't what God designed for the people. He designed for you and I to look hell in the eye and say, you can't have my country, you can't have my city, you can't have my children, you can't have my church, you can't have my mind, you can't have my thoughts. We have power. But then he put shoes on his feet. You see, back in Bible days, under the Roman culture, under that Roman authority, they would not give to a slave or a servant shoes because they did not want them to run away when they let them out for their labor and for their work. But yet you would give to a son 
shoes. You know why? Because you knew he wanted to be with you. Now, this boy had just left his father's house. This boy had just left the last time he had shoes on his feet. And if he'd have been in my house, I'll tell you probably what you and I would have done as North Carolina mamas and daddies. You'd have said, look, I messed up with you one time. I'm not giving you the same privilege I gave you last time. But that's not what the father did. The father said, son, I have restored you. I have cleansed you. I have washed you. And I'm putting you back in the same place you were before you left. You know what that's called? That's called the grace and mercy of God Almighty. You and I in Adam deserve to be cast out. And if God would have redeemed us, we don't deserve to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. But this is what the Father says to you and me. He says, I'm going to put you in the same position and the same place as my darling only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, honey, that ought to bless the pure fire out of somebody this morning. Now, here is what I'm looking at, though. We are looking at the prodigal son. And as we come this morning, we come to another character in the story. You see, the prodigal son is a picture of a wayward person that has gone far away from the place and the plan and the promise and the protection and the presence of God. But if that is the case, therefore, the father is a picture of how God responds to that sinner that comes back home. Beloved, we've got a bad understanding of how God operates when somebody comes back to the fold. You need to understand. I'm going to give you some introductory remarks this morning. Number one, let me explain to you from this passage of Scripture. When you read the story of the prodigal son, there's three things you see. Number one, you see the home of every human being. Man, that boy had wandered down where the pigs were. That boy had wandered down where the swine were were. That boy had wandered down where the riotous livings was, but he was not happy until he was back home with his father. Ladies and gentlemen, inside of the heart of every human being, we long to be at peace with our God and our Creator. There is a God-sized hole in the heart of every human being. And people try to mask it. They try to drink their way out of it. They try to dope their way out of it. They try to, they try to uh, live their life with people and try to get that hole filled. You can't fill a hole inside of the human heart that has got a God-shaped God piece in order for you to be whole, trying to fill it with a man-shaped piece. It doesn't work that way. Here's what they're doing today. And, 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 and it's just a, another game with a new title. The same thing that's always happened. Man has always sought approval outside of the plan of God. I can tell y'all are eating this up. So I just preach with myself and to myself this morning. Here's what we're doing today. We're trying to tell people, do what you want, be what you want, live like you want, and we'll accept you. Honey, you can accept that a dog is a cat and a cat's a cow and a cow's a horse, but it is not going 
going to change how somebody feels on the inside of the human heart. No more than doing right and living right will make you happy. Honey, there's a lot of good people in hell and there's a lot of bad people that have made it to heaven. You know what's the difference? The difference is what they did with Jesus Christ because if they're in heaven today, they were bad, but they've been born again by the power of God. But there's a lot of good people who tried to fill that hole with right living. You can't fill it with good and you can't fill it with bad. God is there. Ever since man walked out of the Garden of Eden from the presence of God, we've been trying to get back to God. But the door got open one day at bloody Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ became the door and became the path and became the way and said, Come unto me and I will show you the Father. The home of every person in this room is in the arms of God. You can run to mama, you can run to daddy, you can run down to every prostitute, every drug house, every alcohol house in the world. You'll never find home until you are right with God. Number two, in this story, you find the value of every human being. When you start out in Luke chapter number 15, the story starts with a lost sheep. Then it moves to a lost piece of silver. And then ultimately Jesus tells us about a lost son, a prodigal. Somebody that's wandered far away from the Father. Somebody that's wandered far away from the way. Somebody that's wandered far away from the thing. How does that tell me about the value? Here's why. He starts out with a sheep. You know who valued sheep? Jews. Then he moves to silver. You know who values silver? The Romans. So he shows you what the Jews valued. That's a sheep. He showed you what the Romans value. That's silver. But then he showed you what God valued. And that's people. You see, God ain't interested in money. God's not interested in houses. God's not interested in lands. How can you impress a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides? How can you impress a God that made the world and the sun and the moon and the stars? How can you impress a God that made the galaxies and made the clouds and puffed them up in the air? You can't impress God. You know what impresses God? You know what God's in love with? You know what God desires more than anything? He desires every single person that's in this room room red and yellow black and white every single one of them are precious in God's sight he loves the men and he loves the women he loves children and he loves old people he loves people that are not all together there and he loves people that have it all together our God loves everybody our God values every person that's why you don't abort babies babies matter to God that's why you don't euthanize old people old people matter to God that's why you don't let people rip people apart and murder on the side of the street street and, 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 and snorted up their nose and ruined their mind and drink until their liver's falling out of their body. You know why? Because this old flesh, this old corrupt place, this temple that you and I live in was made in the image of God. And God loves every single person that's in this world. You got money, some people love you. You're poor, other people won't. You say, I, I've, got, I've got a certain political affiliation. as a group of people that'll like you. And then the rest of you, they go on the other side. Some of those people like you. Some people like white people. Some people like black people. Some people don't like white people. Some people don't like black people. Can I tell you somebody that loves everybody? His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is the Father in heaven. His name is the Rose of Sharon. His name's a lily of the valley. And there may be people all over this world that don't give two flips about you but there's a God in heaven that valued you so much that he was willing to die your death on the cross of Calvary every person in this room 
matters to God. Put that in your pipe and smoke on it for a little bit. Every person. There's only three people in this place. I'd die for my wife, my son, my daughter. I sure enough would probably have a hard time dying for anybody else. But I can tell you who I wouldn't die for. Somebody that slapped me in the face and spit on me and cursed my name. I can tell you right now, I'd probably get popcorn while they burned. But not God. God didn't die for people that loved Him. God didn't send Jesus to die for people that applauded Him. He sent Jesus Christ to die for those that slapped Him in the face. He sent Jesus Christ to die for those that would reject His name and reject His way. He sent Jesus Christ to die for the down and out. He sent Jesus Christ to die for the up and on. He sent Jesus Christ to die for people that had it all. He sent Jesus Christ to die for people who had absolutely nothing at all. Why? That's the value of every person. But then number three, there is the choice and the responsibility. Of every human being. You ready for this one? When that sheep got lost, the shepherd went after it. When that silver coin got lost, somebody went after it. But when the son got lost, nobody went after him. He had to come. Can I tell you right now, God's never going to make you get right with Him. You can live your entire life and do your entire thing and go your entire way. And God not one time is ever going to come after you any more than He already has. He's already sent the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already sent the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. That's as far as God is going to go. But when you realize that the power is in your hands to get right with God, when the Holy Ghost makes you aware of the fact that you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ loves you, loves you and longs for you and looks for you more than anybody in this world and the power is in your hands the power's not in my hands the power's not in your mama's hands the power's not in your daddy's hands the power's not in the president's hands the power's not in the governor's hands the power's not in the mayor's hands the power's not in the church's hands the power's not in the deacon's hands the power's not in this world's hands the power to get right with God lies in you how do I know that because here's what it says And when he came to himself, he said, I will arise. Choice is yours. But so many times, what keeps people from coming to God? What what in the world, if I told you there's a God in heaven that loves you, receives you, We'll help you. We'll clean you up. We'll help you to walk the right way. Help you to do the right thing. What kind of crazy person wouldn't come to that kind of God? You know what's wrong with us? We've got something in the back of our head. We've got this idea that God is going to act a certain way that he ain't going to act. God's going to require a certain thing out of me that I can't give. So Jesus tells us the story, not just about the prodigal son. He tells us the story. About the prodigal's father. 
This morning, I'm going to give to you six things. And I mean, I'm going to load them up and blow them out so fast, you're going to spin your head just thinking, did I get them all? I don't have time to go very far. I got a funeral to do in just a little bit. And I told the undertaker when she came that I wanted to have people out. I said, please do not wheel the casket in while the people of God are still in this place. Ladies and gentlemen, let me give them to you as quickly as I possibly can. When I look at this passage of Scripture, you know what I see about the God in heaven? Number one, I see what the Father sees. I want you to look back, if you will, at verse number 20. This is what the Bible says. And when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him. Can I tell you what the brother saw? He saw rebellion. Can I tell you what the servant saw? They saw hog pen. Can I tell you what everybody else saw? They saw filth. But the father did not see the filth. The father did not see the hog pen. The father did not see the rebellion. The father just looked down the way and he saw right into that boy. You know what he said? He said, that boy is the one that came from my loins. That boy has my blood. That boy has my flesh. That boy is my Ladies and gentlemen, one reason, oh, I feel God bumps all over me right now. You say, what does God see in me? God doesn't see your rebellion. God doesn't see your sin. God doesn't see anything about you. When he looks at you, who's been born by the power of the Holy Ghost, you know what he sees? He sees him. He sees him. He sees him. Who is that him? It's the loving Lamb of God. It's the pure and spotless Lamb of God. It's the loving Lamb of God. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Whenever the Father looks at you, he he doesn't see your background. He doesn't see your alcoholism. He doesn't see your drug addiction. He doesn't see your divorce. He doesn't see all that mess when he looks at you. And when he looks at me, oh, good God in heaven, he sees Jesus Christ. He sees Jesus Christ. That's why he came running after him. That's why he went seeking after him. That's why he left the front porch and went after him. Because when he saw him, he saw him. Can I tell you something? I hope I helped somebody this morning. You look around everybody in this world. And you want them to really see who God's making you to be. But you know what they're going to see? They're going to see what you used to be. They're going to see your mistakes. They're going to see your past. They're going to see how you've flipped and fallen. They're going to see how you've messed up. Here's where you need to take solace. You need to stop worrying about people. You need to stop worrying about opinions. You need to stop worrying about what anybody thinks about you. And realize when God looks down your way, He sees what Jesus Christ really has made you to be. And just go on. What does Jesus see sees you? He sees somebody of value. What does the Father see when He sees you? Jesus. Jesus. I don't, I don't like clowns. I don't like clowns. Roddy, I don't like clowns. I don't like... Aaron don't like clowns that don't sound like. You know what's even crazier? At Halloween time, and I hate Halloween... I hate Halloween. I really do. You'll go into the stores and there'll be masks of people that other people want to dress up like. At, at, at Halloween time, all I want is to ride down the street and not kill some kid walking down the road. And they put these masks on like we can't tell that ain't you. 
Does nobody else ever say, you spent money on that? Man, we were at Biscuitville the other day and Mason's in the front seat and he points over. You know, they set these stores up, Ricky, at, at Halloween. Mason goes, that place right there is high as a kite. I said, you do what in that store? You do what? Who took you in there? He said, my Mimi. That's your people. And I said, Mason, what do you... He said, no, Daddy, the prices are high as a kite. I said... It's what Mason said. I can't believe somebody would spend so much money to wear something that doesn't even cover up who they really are. How many people in this world are spending their effort, they're spending their time, they're spending their energy, they're spending everything they are to cover up what they really are when Jesus Christ has already looked through the facade and He's already seen you for what you really are and He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Honey, it's time for somebody today to take the mask off and say, Jesus, this is all that I am. If you'll take me as I am and make me into the image of God, I'll be okay. He saw him. Number two, not just what the Father sees, but what the Father shows. The Bible says, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. What does that word compassion mean? Let me give you that word compassion. It is a Greek word which literally means the internal inner bowels. The stomach. Whenever the Bible talks about the internal organs, that is a reference to pure emotion. That's what that means. When when the father looked down the way, he saw him with pure emotion. Here's the point. Don't lose me now. Pure emotion is on the opposite end of the spectrum From intellect and rationale. You see, too many times we think God looks at us with rationale. See, this is what rationale says. Rationale says, he stinks. Rationale says, he's nasty. Rationale says, he's been in the hog pen. But pure emotion says... That's my boy. I I, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of YouTube. I love documentaries. I love these documentaries. And one thing I'm always fascinated about, whenever you find a boy or a girl that's serving life in prison, everybody walks away from them except one person. Mama. 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 And people, these interviewers, as if they're not mamas, will say to that mama, don't you know what they've done? That's rationale. But a mama's not thinking with rationale. You know what she's thinking with? Emotion and compassion. 
when God looks at you, you've got it in your head. God's going to really know what I've done. God's going to really know how I've operated. Here's what the father in that story did. He did not think with rash. Yes, God knows what we've done. God knows how we've operated. But God doesn't think about his creation that way. God doesn't think about his people that way. When God looks at you, he looks at you with pure emotion. He doesn't look at you. You see, rationale says you're a sinner and you deserve heaven. But pure emotion says you have been born again. And no matter what you've done, you're going to heaven. Rationale says you ought to pay for your sin. Oh, but pure emotion says somebody has already paid for your sin. You see, rationale, it says you don't deserve to not have to deal with that mess. But pure emotion says I will take care of that problem for you. Pure rationale will say you're not good enough to be in the house of God. Oh, but pure emotion will look at you and say you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. You see, God doesn't operate like this world operates. This world has all of these standards. But God has one. And you know what his standard looks like? It's a five-letter word. J-E-S-U-S. He says, are you in Jesus? And if he say yes, he says, I have compassion on you. Now, I got to go. I got to hurry. Number three, I got to get to number six. Because if I don't get to number six, I ain't even going to be happy with this whole thing. Number, number two, let me show you that one. Now, number three, let's show you what the Father does. If I can show you what the Father does. Because the Bible says, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he ran. Now, that's an interesting little phrase. Don't miss over that three-letter word, ran. You see, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, it was an indignity. For a righteous Jewish man to run. They didn't run. They were, too, they were too proper. They were too dignified. Now here's what I got to thinking. And I got a wild imagination. I know I need to be on medication, but they don't have any that will keep me in the right way. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking as that prodigal Dwayne is a walking down the way, I wonder if on his way what was going through his mind. I wonder if on the way he was thinking, man, I wonder what my daddy is going to say to me. I wonder how many times I'm going to have to beg him for forgiveness. I wonder how many times he's going to have to beat me back into submission just to show everybody how much he really is in charge. I wonder what everybody is going to make my father do. All those thoughts going through his mind and I believe he got close to home. I believe something hit him in the pit of his stomach and he thought, well, here goes nothing. I don't know what's going to happen. Here goes nothing. I bet that prodigal son, I bet he had no idea what what he thought when he looked up the way and there was a dust trail coming down that road as that dust trail came down that little dusty road I believe he looked up and said oh my he sent the servants on horseback in order to tell me that I'm not welcome anymore he sent the servants in the chariots to come and take my life but his heart it began to be mended his heart it began to be put back together when he looked up the way and he said my God that's not a servant my God that's not a horse my God that's not a chariot that's my daddy my daddy's running I believe in that moment in that very second he thought something is off. Something is not right. Something is not together about this situation. My daddy 
has never run. He didn't run when my brother was born. He didn't run when the servants set the fields on fire. He didn't run when the harvest was there. But why is he running today? At daddy got down, I believe he was waving his hands like an old-fashioned daddy would when his boy came back home and said, Son, son, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You say, what in the world does that have to do with me? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You say, what does that have to do with me? Here's what that has to do with you. You've got in your head that Jesus is going to make you suffer. You've got it in your head. He's going to make you pay for your sin. The devil's told you. He doesn't care. May I remind you, he's going to do something when he accepts a sinner that nobody says he should. Nobody says that he would. He came running to you. He came running to me. He came after you. He came after me. Ladies and gentlemen, what the world says is indignant to accept a sinner. God said, I don't care what anybody thinks. That's my baby. My little girl is... um, How old is she? Eight and a half. Her birthday's coming up soon. Every morning, I'm talking every morning, every morning. Time out. My, I ain't going to get through with this message, but my, my, my little boy comes out of his room with his head hung low his belly lopped over his pajama breeches. And he says, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't look at me, don't talk to me. And sits down with his iPad, Scott. Don't look at me, don't talk. Erica comes out. And she ain't much happier. <laughs> One half of my family are more like crack noon people. You know what I mean? They're alive at the crack noon don't talk to them before the crack of noon. When they come out, everybody's got them in their family, so I don't talk just about my family. Y'all got them in your, your, right now, you're thinking about the people in your family just like it. I kindly shy away from them. Why? I don't want to get bit. But when Ella baby comes out, she comes out with them arms. Am I lying? Every morning, arms wide open. Daddy. Daddy. She throws him arms around my neck. She said, wasn't it a wonderful night? She said, Daddy. You know, the first time she really did that, about a year and a half ago. Honest, I thought she'd been to that high as a kite store. I didn't have any idea what she I didn't have any idea what she was talking about. I didn't know. But now every morning, when I'm up, I'm waiting with anticipation for her to split that doorway with them arms wide open. Why'd that daddy run? In order for that daddy to run, he had to have his tunic already rolled up. You know what he did? Every single morning, when he woke up, he said, today... Might just be the glad day 
the world gets right again. Today might just be the real day that it all happens again. And on that day, when he looked down that long, dusty road, he looked down at the end of the territory where his land met the far country. And he said, there he is. There he is. There ain't no mistake about it. I don't recognize all my servants. I don't recognize all my animals. But I ain't never forgot what my son looks like. And that daddy son, he took his prayer shawl and threw it to the left. He put his tunic up in his shirt tail like that. And honey, he took off after it. You and I both say, I wonder if Jesus would receive me back. If you could only take your eyes and lift them up to heaven. What you don't realize is every morning when you wake up, the Father in heaven has got his angels at the, his disposal. And he says, today might be the day that they give it back to me. Today might be the day that they make it right with me. Today might be the good day that they give their heart to me. Honey, he says, angels, I want you to get out a fresh pen. Angels, I want you to get out a fresh quill. Angels, I want you to sign me a new page in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because today might be the day that I write a brand new name in heaven's role. Can you imagine? Don't worry. You ain't going to see my leg. Can you imagine God getting in a three-point stance? Like a bird dog that has smelt a trail for the very fact that you came to the house of God this morning thinking today might be the day that they get it right. So you got this idea that you got to convince God to take you back. God said, I dare you to take the first step. I dare you to make the first move. I dare you to give me the first glimpse that you're going to get it right with me today. I'm telling you, child of God, the good God of heaven is awaiting. He is waiting. He's waiting for you to come back home. Of all the people that would not receive the prodigal, there was one that day that would receive the prodigal, and he was the only one that mattered in that whole place. And today, it don't matter what nobody else in this room thinks about you because the only one that matters is a waiting now I got to go I'm done but can I skip number four what is number four Laura give me number four that one ain't very good let's go to number five this is the one I'm, I'm done Scott come here Caleb stand right there son Caleb, the last thing it says that father does after he falls on his neck, the Bible says he kisses him. Don't get any ideas. He kisses him. I want you to ponder this right quickly. That prodigal is covered in mud and muck smell and filth the Bible says and the father runs to him and when the Bible says he fell on his neck that means he wrapped his entire person around his neck and you know what he starts doing the Bible says he starts kissing him 
I got a wild imagination. I know that. Why would the Bible say that he started kissing him? You know why? Every morning when an oriental father would wake up, he would cover himself with oil. He would anoint his beard with oil, would anoint his clothing with oil, would anoint his face with perfumes and spices. That daddy knew that when that boy went back to that that house, everybody would look at him and say, he stinks. He don't belong. He don't belong here. But when that daddy... started kissing that boy that smell from the daddy's beard started washing away the filth from the far country that boy went back to the house and those people said I smell something it it don't smell it's got a and then all of a sudden somebody will say yeah but You smell filth, but I smell fragrance. And what one smelt, there was a new smell. It started overwhelming the old smell. There was a new fragrance. If he leaves, y'all going to know why. Here's my point. There's some of you right now and the devil keeps telling you they smell what you used to be. They smell that mistake. They smell that fragrance. But the people who've been around the Father, they know His smell. And Debbie, they recognize filth. But they also recognize when the Father has hugged on somebody. And you say, will God take me back? Will people take me? It don't matter about people. Because every time the Father touches your soul, He wipes a little bit more of Himself off. Just in case you're wondering, that's blue Ralph Lauren, son. And now that boy goes off doesn't smell like the hog pen anymore you know who he smells like his father and every week you come in here and every week you live for the Lord the world looks at you and says the smell but there's enough of us that have been around the father And we know what it feels like and smells like when God's a-loving on somebody. When God is making somebody. And God is helping somebody. You say, will God help me? Oh my. God will help you. And right now God is creating in you something that you can't fathom. Something you can't understand. But oh my. What a father. And that's the story of the prodigal's father.